Good evening and welcome to Direct Impact Broadcasting, the station of growth and transformation. Affiliate of Creative Broadcasting presents Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson with your host, Taiwana Wilson, as she welcomes her guest to the studio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson. I am your host and leadership mentor, Taiwana Wilson. If this is your first time tuning in to Leadership Tidbits, welcome. It's a weekly show where we, where I bring you new mentors from all around the world who shares practical strategies that you can use both in your personal life as well as in your professional life. So if you would do me a favor, come on in, share this broadcast out, and let me know where you're coming in from. I would love to welcome you properly. So come on in and share it out. And if you missed it, there was a new episode of Elaborate Topics podcast, new episode that released today on directimpactbroadcasting.com, or you can find it on your favorite podcast platform. If you love process excellence, then today's episode will be one that you do not want to miss. Definitely an awesome episode. And for those of you that attend our monthly leadership roundtables for our laboratory members, then our next roundtable is tomorrow. So make sure that you grab your seat at the roundtable so that you can come in, you can network, you can hear an awesome presentation about being intentional in this era of COVID and leading in the laboratory. Our mentor and speaker is Jennifer Becker, so make sure you come. And if you want to know how you can get to the roundtable at a discounted fee, then just send me a message and I'll give you the details there. So without further ado, I am super excited about our mentor tonight. He is going to give us some awesome tips. So if you are looking for a job, you're ready to spruce up that resume, you're trying to figure out what you need to put on your cover letter, well, you are in for the right show. So without further ado, let me bring on our mentor, our speaker for tonight's episode. Tarek, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are you? I am doing awesome. I am excited to talk with you. I know you have a lot of great stuff that you're going to share with our community tonight. And before I get started and, and read a little bit about you, let the viewers and those who will watch the replay or maybe listen to this, let them know where you're coming in from. Sure. I'm coming in from the beautiful city of Toronto in Canada. Woo! So again, like I told you, I bring you mentors from all around the world. So Toronto, Canada. So Tarek is here sharing with us. So Tarek Hussein is a versatile entrepreneur within career coaching, business consulting, and logistics spaces. His expertise lies primarily in running a talent career coaching practice where he helps job seekers get ready for interviews, 
write effective resumes, and develop powerful LinkedIn profiles. And y'all know LinkedIn is one of my favorite platforms, so I'm really interested in what he has to say about that. He has worked with thousands of people over the last eight plus years. Previously, he owned and operated a staffing business for eight years, so definitely knows what he's talking about. So, Tarek, I'm ready. I'm ready if you are. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, so, I'm going to go ahead and um, share my screen, and um, we're going to basically uh, go from there. So, as you will see... And if you all have questions as he's presenting, you can drop those in the chat and then we will answer those as we go. Okay, perfect. So uh, T, are you able to see my screen? I am able to see your screen. I don't okay. see your presentation, but I do see your screen. Okay. Uh, what I'm seeing is the dashboard. You're seeing the dashboard. Okay. So um, I did load up the presentation, but for some reason, it's not it's not exactly working. Uh, let me give it a one more shot okay. because it should work. So as... As Tarek is getting the presentation on, I know that it's going to be some good stuff. Like I said, take this moment out and make sure you share it out. Share it out to your particular networks, especially if you know people that's out here looking for jobs, ready to change careers. This is the place to be. Yes, perfect. So uh, just give it uh, just a minute or so. And okay. we should be ready to go. Okay. So while it is loading, I gave a little bit about you, but if you mm -hmm. want to give a little bit more about your background and who you are. Sure. Um, so I think you are able to see the screen now, correct? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Um, excellent. So uh, about my background a little bit. This is uh, my company presently. It's called HR Connections. Um, essentially, what we do is that we work one-on-one -on -one with job seekers, getting them ready for interviews, writing their resumes, doing their LinkedIn, those kind of things. Okay. So um, a little bit of background. I graduated from the University of Toronto. And for the first three years of my life, I actually worked at a company called Manulife Financial which is an insurance company based here in Canada, but they had actually taken over a company in the U.S. called John Hancock Financial. And basically, I was working on uh, John Hancock stuff while sitting here, right? And um, that was obviously uh, many moons ago. But um, I realized very quickly that this is not something that I wanted to do. I actually wanted to pursue a business where I could actually do a uh, lot of the things myself, take very quick decisions, all that stuff. So in 2006, I started a staffing business. Um, and I ran that staffing business for almost eight years. We had nine employees. 
And then in 2013, I sold out. So once I sold my business, essentially, then I became a career consultant or a career coach. And, and now I work one-on-one -on -one with job seekers, as I said, getting them ready for the job market. Okay. So okay. Um, this is basically one of the first things that I always show people is that um, this is basically a recruiting cycle. Obviously, everybody is familiar with this because everybody has applied to jobs. But the reason why I'm showing this is because of step number three. Whenever you apply for a job, uh, step number two and three, actually. So basically, whenever you apply for a job, uh, if it's a large enough uh, business, they're using something called the ATS to screen out resumes. ATS is the applicant tracking system. So essentially in very, very um, uh, simple language or terms, if I may say, it's a keyword searcher. It looks and seeks out certain keywords and phrases in your resume, which aligns with the requirements of the job. So the ATS is the real differentiating factor because that's how, if your resume is not prepared uh, with the right set of keywords, and having uh, your experiences uh, aligned with the requirements of the job, then the chances are of your resume not actually getting past the ATS, or at least not scoring very high on the ATS. And if that happens, essentially, you may not get a callback. Right? So once you, uh, actually, I wanted to show this screen as well, is that these are the different uh, sort of, there, there are hundreds of ATS systems, right? There are the free ones widely available online, and there are the ones like Workday, uh, et cetera, which you know, requires millions of dollars to implement. So uh, as you will see that um, primarily what it does is that it's sort of like a rating system. I've, I've put some screenshots there, but they might be too small. But essentially what it does is that it ranks candidates based on their resume. So if you don't have the keywords which are in the job posting and relevant to the job, chances of your resume ranking high are very low. So this is why people wonder that, you know, I have all the experiences, but I never get callbacks. So why is that? This is one of the primary reasons is that your resume is not faring very well in the automated system, basically. Moving on. Um, before everything else, I think what we need to do before we even uh, create the resume, uh, what we need to do is come up with a job search strategy. And with job search strategy, I always say that you should have like a 50-50 plan, if you will, right? So 50% of your effort should go into researching job postings to see the kind of qualifications that these companies are looking for. And 50% of your time should be invested in developing a target list of employers. So essentially, maybe top 10, top 15 companies that you want to work for. And then go into their, uh, whether their site or uh, Indeed or LinkedIn to look at the kind of jobs they have available and you might, if you are a suitable candidate for those roles. And if you're not, then you basically need to look at some of the uh, things which are missing on your profile. 
right? So uh, once you have this job search strategy in place, uh, again, uh, just to go through uh, that one more time, is that uh, you have the 50-50 strategy, uh, you target the companies, you create a list. And one of the other things which you should do uh, on an Excel or Google Sheets, uh, sheets is uh, create this thing called job application tracking sheet. So every time you apply to a job, you put it down right there. Uh, that this is the position that I applied to, and this is the version of the resume that I used. The reason why you should do that is because sometimes companies may take a couple of weeks, maybe a month to give you a callback. And at that time, if you're not sure which version of the resume you have sent out, you're, you're not going to do very well on the first phone screen. So this is why it's important to do that. And the other thing why it's important is that uh, when jobs um, are basically when there's the time limit, uh, once it crosses the time limit, indeed, our LinkedIn may take off that particular job posting from their system. So you get a call, but you don't necessarily know which uh, job you applied to. Right? You don't know the requirements and all that stuff. So save a copy of the job posting for future. And um, this is what a, a tracking sheet can help you with. Manage those kind of files, whether it's the version of the resume or the job process uh, or the job application, uh, sorry, the job posting which you have applied to. Um, this is an important thing which I usually talk about. This really helps not only develop a resume, cover letter, LinkedIn, and helps you with your um, interviews later on, is to develop something called a personal brand. Um, everyone who's out there looking for a job has a brand, right? Uh, so the thing is that this is the most simplest way that I know on how to develop one. So you identify the three things which are core to your profile, which is education, experience, and skills. And once you do that, you should be able to answer a couple of different questions. One would be, why should a company invest in you as an employee, right? So most companies are looking to hire people that they can develop for future roles. So the thing is that why should that company invest in you, right? And the next thing which you should be able to answer is how will you add more value uh, in that position if you are hired? Once you answer these two things, you develop something which is called a personal value proposition. I will give you a quick example. So this is an example of somebody who has a graphics design experience has a set of analytical skills, yet has a master's degree in computer science. So when you answer these questions, you basically formulate a value proposition, which goes something like highly analytical professional committed to creating dynamic products, mobile apps, and websites. So that's the first line because you are leveraging your programming or coding background, and you have the analytical skills, and you're using graphics design expertise. So the thing is that 
you're bringing many different things together in order to create a value proposition for yourself. And through this value proposition, you are actually standing out from the competition. So once you have done all these kind of things, it is so much easier to develop the resume. So now we come back to the resume, which is basically, uh, which is gonna open doors for you. So there are, I, I like to break down the resume into primarily four or five different key areas. The first area on top is called the career profile section. So it's, um, we call it um, elevator pitch style statements. So three or four, maybe four or five statements at most. This particular section has replaced what used to be the objective section on the resume. The objective is no longer needed because we are applying to everything online. So there's no need to write down the job title that you're applying to because you're applying online. That's number one. Number two is that the objective section is thought of as kind of obsolete these days because the profile is more modern and that is what employers are looking for. The next section right after that can be called the summary of qualification, highlights of qualification, relevant skills, whichever you wanna call it. It should have about five to seven bullets and should address the requirements of the job. So for example, if they require uh, team management skills, you should be able to say uh, possesses five years of team experience skills while working at employer X and employer Y. So this is how you basically align the requirements of the job with your profile. And this is very critical. Anyone can write down, uh, you know, has excellent communication skills or interpersonal skills, whatever, but you have to demonstrate how you have gained that skill. It's as simple as that. So it's not as simple as just writing down that you have XYZ skills or experience. You actually have to tell them where you have gained it from. Uh, education section, now this can go right at the bottom too, um, depending on if you're a recent grad, uh, if you've recently completed some kind of uh, degree or diploma, obviously it should go uh, more or less on top, but it can go right at the bottom as well. Um, technical skills, this section is very relevant for engineers, uh, anyone looking for a programming, coding job, someone in IT, tech support, etc. cetera. Uh, for uh, other people, it's not as important, but it is important that you let people know that your set of skills using, whether it's uh, the Google uh, apps or it's uh, MS Office apps or anything which is particular to your profession. Uh, finally, experiences. So obviously we go reverse uh, chronological uh, on this one with the recent one first. Uh, we have to make sure that um, we not only state the job responsibilities, but we actually attach some kind of achievements and results with it. Because achievements and results set you apart from everyone else. Uh, and the thing is that um, if you cannot quantify something, ideally you should be able to quantify something like managed five people or brought about 10% increase in sales, et cetera. If you are not able to quantify those things, at least have uh, a set of achievements which will explain themselves uh, on your resume. Uh, it is very, very critical. 
And in the end, if you have done any volunteering work, etc., it can go under the community involvement uh, uh, section. So this is primarily the resume. Um, I'm just wondering uh, whether anyone has any questions or should I just go through uh, and then maybe answer questions later? Yeah, I think you can go through. I don't see any questions at the moment, but okay. I thought uh, that was good. I, I hadn't seen that particular order before uh, of changing the objective to more of a working uh, profile so that it's more relevant. So I really like that. And I like that putting your highlights uh, right up front. I have seen that before, but not necessarily seeing where people tied it into their particular job opportunities. So Actually, Coach Lee, you, you, you brought up a really good point, um, which uh, I should further elaborate on a little bit, is that, see, when you're trying to customize a resume uh, for different sets of job postings, uh, one of the issues uh, which comes about is that you may not have enough time to do it. It may take you a couple of hours to uh, do one resume. And so if that's the case, then basically what happens is that, you know, it's, it's a numbers game, right? The more you apply to, the better your chances of a callback. So the thing is that you're failing in that aspect. So this is why we only change the highlights of qualification section because that's quicker to do and you can easily align the requirements of the job with your profile. So the thing is that um, this is one of the added benefits of having this section on the resume. Um, so um, before jumping into LinkedIn, uh, I wanted to tell you about cover letters. Uh, cover letters um, are very important. Um, I can talk about our market. In our market, government jobs, nonprofits, uh, or if you're applying to a job with a heavy requirement of written communication skills, like you're having to do a lot of written uh, work, only in that aspect is a cover letter very important. Uh, in, in most cases, I find that cover letter is just a generic requirement, which is posted on the job postings. Most recruiters don't read cover letters. Uh, so uh, it is only important uh, if, as I uh, said before, that, you know, um, if there is a written uh, communication component to the job and your cover letter can actually act as a sort of like a work product so that they can see the kind of expertise that you may have. So in that case, obviously, a cover letter is very important. But otherwise, most cover letters are very um, generic, I find. And, you know, as a recruiter, uh, I would say, and, you know, having uh, spoken to hundreds of recruiters over the years, no one has ever read a cover letter. So uh, that's, uh, that's one of the things uh, basically about cover letters. All right. Jumping into LinkedIn. Quick um, question. So yes. what about for new grads? I know new, mm -hmm. new graduates are always taught, for the most part, have a cover letter. Is that worth their time or should they spend their resources elsewhere? Because I see where people, new grads maybe have a cover letter, but then don't necessarily have a LinkedIn presence or they have so, a cover letter, but don't mm -hmm. necessarily have some of the things you mentioned in the resume. 
Right. So cover letters would, uh, in terms of, um, I would say, in terms of their value is possibly the lowest in the totem pole, right? So the thing is that first, obviously, is your resume. The second is your LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn is a must. You must have a presence on LinkedIn. It is just so critical uh, to have a presence on LinkedIn. Uh, I can't stress this enough. Um, and the other thing is that, see, if someone finds you on LinkedIn, they will ask for your resume. And the opposite is true as well. If they get your resume, a lot of recruiters as part of their background checks will look you up on LinkedIn. And at that time, the information presented on your resume, at least in terms of dates, job titles, employers, must be exactly the same as it is on your uh, LinkedIn. So they must jive together. Because if there's conflicting information, then you know that's that's another thing that they will have to check back with you. It there might be uh, if there's a lot of conflicting information or different information, then basically what's going to happen is that you know that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. So, in in those cases, uh, it is very important to make sure that your resume correlates with your LinkedIn profile. It's a must. So. Uh, LinkedIn itself um, is, is a very um, big thing to talk about, right? Uh, it, it can go on for hours, but um, just to make it um, um, very effective for tonight, one of the things I would say is that a few things which are important, have a good profile picture. I can't uh, stress this enough. Have a good profile picture. Don't... Um, you know, don't go for a selfie or don't try to crop out the if, if there are multiple people in the picture. Get a professional picture. You don't have to get a, a professional photographer to take that picture, but at least make sure that the picture is sort of like a headshot, a profile shot, right? So the thing is that something which an employer looks at and says that, you know what, this person does look professional and uh, I can call them in for an interview, right? So that is a very important thing. The next thing is that there is an option to change your cover photo on LinkedIn profile. A lot of people don't know this, but um, you can see from that uh, chart right there. So basically, the, the cover photo went with a word cloud. Uh, the reason why I went with the word cloud is because it has uh, some of the uh, more pertinent about what I offer to my kids. So you can actually customize your free word cloud photo online. Uh, if you just Google it, you will find word cloud create and you can definitely create your own cloud. Don't uh, find one online, right? Um, other thing, next thing I would say is um, the headline. The headline is critical because you want to set the right expectations and also in terms of search parameters, it's very important to have a good headline. So the headline should have keywords related to the job that you're looking for. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty simple. So for recent grads, for example, if you are looking for a marketing position, you can go with something as simple as saying aspiring marketing 
professional, you uh, put a little slash or whatever, and you say graduate from XYZ school. Something as simple as that. People will know that you've just graduated and you're looking for a marketing role. It, it can be as simple as that. If you have a job presently and you're looking for another one, make sure you have your present job title on the headline. Uh, location is key because one of the search parameters recruiters use is your location because not they're not always looking to hire people for, who are uh, in a different city or something. So the thing is that make sure your location is accurate. Um, the next thing is the obviously this um, about section. The about section is a couple of paragraphs just talking about yourself. Um, and again, it is very similar to the career profile on the resume, but make sure it is not just a copy paste. So something just a little bit different. And in the cover, and in this case, you can actually talk about the kind of opportunities you're looking for. So um, there is a way on LinkedIn uh, where you can add job titles, the kind of jobs that you're looking for. And basically, you can open it up to everybody. But then again, then you get this uh, little um, filter on your uh, photo, which says hashtag open to work. And a lot of people don't like that. So if you want to avoid that, and if you want to just direct it for recruiters, there's an option right there you can select and say, this is open uh, for recruiters to view only. And then you can put in job titles. And it's very keyword centric, that particular search. So the thing is, add all variations of job titles that you can think of. And then you can add location, the type of work you're looking for, et cetera. So as long as these basic things, you got it all set up, at least you have a LinkedIn profile which might show up on search results. So these are the most basic things you can do. Obviously, you have to fill out your education section. You have got to fill out your work experiences section. There's a skill section. Uh, these are important sections which you must fill out. But um, before that, the other things which I mentioned, those things should be done uh, first and foremost. Um, the next thing which I want to talk about is, um, as I said, that these are some of the LinkedIn essentials. Um, one of the things you can also do is num this one, the custom URL. You will find that uh, LinkedIn allows you to create a custom URL. The default one has a set of numbers, which doesn't look very professional. You can easily edit it. And if you don't have a very popular name, then you should be able to get a custom URL quite easily. And if you do have a popular name, then you've got to work around it because it's first come, first serve. Um, once these things are set up, um, there are search uh, filters on LinkedIn. Uh, these are called advanced search filters, which you can use to find people. You can find anyone working at any company. So um, once you do a search here, you write, uh, say, for example, I was looking for Bob then you can basically filter using people. You can filter using locations. These are the two key filters that you can do. So this way, you can find anyone working at any company. So instead of Bob, if I put in a name of a company, XYZ, and then I would go to more right here, and I could start filtering for people with certain job titles as well. 
So for example, if I'm looking for someone working in talent acquisition at XYZ company, I would put in XYZ, I would start filtering using people, locations, current companies, because you want to make sure that they're still working at XYZ. Once you do that, you go to uh, more filters and under more filters, you can actually put in uh, job title. So under job title, you put in talent acquisition, recruitment, whatever it is. And voila, you have now found somebody who works in HR for the company that you're targeting. Similarly, you can find hiring managers as well. So um, having said all that, uh, you have to make sure that uh, you send them a request to connect if you want to send them a message. So um, these days, uh, LinkedIn has put in some spam filters. So because of that, um, they allow you to send a short note to every individual, just uh, telling them why you want to connect with them. It's very important that you actually write down why you want to connect with a person. Uh, otherwise, they may ignore you and uh, the thing is that if you get five of those, then LinkedIn curtails your ability to send out more requests. So you get into LinkedIn jail, so to speak, for a bit of time. Okay. Um, moving on, um, you will see that uh, LinkedIn search results is controlled by something uh, which is LinkedIn's algorithm. And LinkedIn's algorithm is what is called a reward-based algorithm. So basically, it rewards you for doing certain things. So LinkedIn as a platform doesn't create any of its own content. It requires users such as myself and everyone else to create content for them. So basically, they're looking for content creation and engagement. So these are just four different things which you can do very easily on an ongoing basis to keep your profile fresh and high on the search rankings. Uh, the first thing is that you can upload original discussion starters to groups. Uh, the more engagement you get, uh, the higher, uh, you know, LinkedIn's going to factor that in and push you up on the search results. Similarly, there are a lot of posts these days, a lot of video posts, a lot of uh, picture posts. Uh, you have the option to like, comment, or share primarily on those posts. So the more you have engagement with those posts, um, again, LinkedIn will factor that in and push you up on the results. Uh, third thing, issuing status updates. Uh, so there is an option from the home page to uh, issue status updates. You can do pictures, photos, uh, sorry, photos, videos. You can do polls. You can do so many different things nowadays uh, on these uh, uh, status updates. For example, uh, tomorrow I will be sharing uh, this particular session on my LinkedIn so that people can view it, right? So the more people who engage with that post in terms of like, comments, and shares, LinkedIn will factor that in and push me up on the search rankings. Um, and finally, uh, it's a database-driven software. So LinkedIn favors fresh data. So just make sure that you update your profile, if not bi-weekly, at least once a month. You must update it. And once you update it, just save it so you can add a new skill. You can change around a few words here and there in the profile section. Whatever you need to do, you need to update it. Because, you know, a lot of people say to me that, you know, Tarek, I don't have anything to update. There's nothing to update. And I say, you know what? Go ahead, add a skill. Or just go ahead and change around a word in the profile section and just save it. 
right? Just do something, just update it. So basically what happens is that as soon as you update it, because it's a database software, it will basically think that your profile is the most updated version. So you go on top of the file again. So this is why you must update your profile. Uh, all right, this is the fun part, interviews. So you've done your resume, you've written a cover letter, you have used the power of LinkedIn to make connections, and now you arrive at the interviewing stage. This is exciting, and for some people, it's very nerve-wracking. So um, the first thing which I always have each of my clients do is I ask them to create an elevator pitch. So basically, an elevator pitch is exactly what it sounds like. It's 30 seconds to a minute about someone talking about themselves. So when you do that, you quickly identify your own value proposition, right? I graduated from this program. I have X number of years of experience, and this is my skill set. That's it. That's 30, 40, uh, 50 seconds right there. So once you identify these key factors, it is so much easier to sell yourself during an interview. So uh, before even getting ready for the interview, uh, you know, by uh, coming up with answers for commonly asked questions or behavioral questions or whatever, create an elevator pitch. This elevator pitch will help you and you never know who you run into. So uh, networking is key, right? So you don't know who you're going to run into. So you may have to pitch them right there. So have the elevator pitch ready. It'll come, uh, it'll become very useful uh, going forward. Interviews. Um, there are various types of interviews. The very first interview, which most people are doing these days is the phone interview, which is also called a pre-screening interview. This uh, interview is typically uh, done by the HR, uh, the recruiter. And once they have a very, uh, you know, like a strict set of questions that they ask every candidate because they just want to verify a few different things before they pass you on to the hiring manager. So the thing is that they are not really looking for what we call culture fit. They are just looking for a hard set of skills and experiences which you may have, which is relevant for the job. The hiring manager basically determines culture fit. So a culture fit is very important and uh, we can you know, discuss about that later. Uh, but um, just coming back to this, you have these types of interviews. The most traditional one is the one-on-one -on -one interview. Uh, some interviews these days are completely behavioral questions based. Uh, some of them are group interviews, um, or they're called in Canada panel interviews. Uh, then there's the case uh, interviews where you have to solve a case. So these are typically the type of interviews which are very um, popular uh, in our market these days. What I would say is that I have always uh, felt that you should create a high-level interview strategy. So what is a high-level interview strategy? You should be prepared to convince the interviewer you can accomplish these three things. Number one, you can do the job. And 
When you do that, you should demonstrate or showcase your experiences and skills. Next, you will do the job, which means that you have to show interest towards the job and the employer. Do your research, find out about this company. You know, your answer to uh, why do you want to work for us shouldn't be that, oh, uh, I applied to the job because it seemed very exciting and I think I can do a great job, etc. People have heard this way too many times. You have to provide something of value for them to get interested in, right? Um, and finally, you will get along with other employees. This is by showcasing your teamwork, interpersonal, and other sets of skills. This is the culture fit we're talking about. If you're going to be working in a small team, that then that whole team needs to be like, you know, needs to run like an well-oiled machine. And the thing is that hiring manager will not bring on somebody they don't feel would be a good culture fit. So the thing is that this is a very high-level interview strategy. If you can master these three things, or at least two of these things, you're good to go. So um, uh, we can have a much longer discussion about how to answer certain type of questions, but I think that uh, more value is right here is if you can create that interview strategy. And the thing is that once you have this, you can actually ace any interview. So I am going to um, stop kind of right here for the time being. Uh, Coach D, what are your thoughts? No, I thought that was I thought that was excellent. I thought that was some great tips and and great reminders. So some of the things you mentioned about LinkedIn. So I want to go back to this because I've seen this quite a bit, and so I'm interested mm -hmm. in your perspective. So mm -hmm. some people say don't put your uh, job title. You know, mm -hmm. some people say, you know, what is the value that you bring? What are your thoughts around that? So some people may say, I'm I'm a medical laboratory scientist by background. So I could say I'm a medical laboratory scientist at XYZ company. Would you think that would be the, the route to go? Or should I put something else, a medical laboratory leader? Or, or what's your thoughts around job title versus the value that I could bring. Right. So it would primarily depend on your objective. If your present objective is to, for example, switch to a different kind of job, mm -hmm. let's say, you know, where you can use your transferable skills to basically get to the uh, next career, right? That's when for example, when you use the word leader, it basically implies that you are managing a team perhaps, right? So the thing is that if, if that's going to be a key for the kind of job that you're seeking, then it might be the way to go. But then again, I would also um, sort of ask people to think a little bit before using these kind of um, words such as, you know, uh, leader, rock star, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people use these kind of things on their headline. And I'm thinking that, you know what, uh, rather than using that, is it more important to use something which is of value to the employer? So again, this goes back to the research part where if you look at some of the job postings and you see that 
this is the kind of skill set that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So the thing is that in your target role, maybe you can have one of those keywords on the headline. Okay. So, so it'll really uh, vary, but what I always recommend, like there's a general rule here. And the general rule is that if you're presently employed somewhere, it's better to have your job title and the name of the company. That way we know that you're presently employed at this uh, employer. If you're between jobs, then you can have something a little more generic. Mm. Okay. But, but case to case, it'll vary. So uh, because everyone has a different set of objectives, I can tell you, you know, in, in general, that's, um, that's what I would do. Got it. Okay. What about how important is it to use the uh, cover image? Um, I find that um, since it's an opportunity for branding, personal branding, why not? There's a huge space right there. They're asking you to upload something. So as soon as I go into someone's profile and the first thing I see is the um, cover photo. And as I said that I use word cloud and I always uh, ask people to do the same. If you have uh, some of the skill set that uh, you can actually demonstrate or you want to demonstrate to your employer, have it right there. So the first thing which will draw their attention and everyone is very visual, they will go right there to the cover photo. Got so it. that's one way to uh, set the stage to what the rest of the profile should be. Got it. That makes uh, perfect sense. One of the things you talked about early on was the use of keywords and how mm -hmm. the various ATS systems will either flag you as yes you know, go to the next level or mm -hmm. kick you out is not qualified. So mm -hmm. what would you tell somebody that's kind of struggling with, you know, understanding how to put those keywords into their resume? Like, should they go to job descriptions and start looking for some of those keywords that's used mostly in their industry for their resume and, and LinkedIn profile? What would What are your thoughts for somebody that's like, Either one, I'm brand new and trying to, to navigate this workplace culture, or I've been on my job for a long time, but I'm ready for a change and I'm new trying to figure out my second act. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an excellent question. So uh, it is a little tricky. There's uh, no doubt about it. But one thing I will recommend uh, is that have a set of simple, very simple rules. And those rules are that you go to the requirements section of the job posting. On the requirement section, they tell you how many years of experience you need, if you need a particular degree, whatever. In most cases, they will say must have. It is a requirement, must have. They put it, in some cases, they say preferred right? So you have to basically assume that the must-haves are a must. You must have that set of skills and experience, right? And sometimes when they say preferred, you may also consider that as something which they're looking for because they may actually get a few applications which have the preferred set of skills and qualifications. So that's the first thing. 
And those particular keywords ideally should be in the summary of qualifications section or the highlights of qualifications, relevant skills, whichever you want to call that section. Uh, that's number one. Number two is that if you look at the job responsibilities, sometimes they say that you will be using XYZ tool or application in order to you know, carry out certain tasks. You may consider those as must-haves as well. So if you have experience in those particular apps and tools, make sure you have it in your technical skills section. That's a critical one. And the third thing would be certifications or any kind of um, other you know, affiliation. You have to be part of a certain professional body. You have to be registered with something. Those are, again, must-haves as well. So just focus on these things. You will find that 80% of the keywords are typically within these three areas. Got it. Hi, Emmanuel. So Emmanuel has joined us and he joined in a little bit later and he said you have given so much value that he wants to go back and listen to it and replay it. And Emmanuel, yes, it will still be up. You could absolutely go back and replay this video later and the audio version within a few days or so will be available on your favorite podcast platform as well. Thank so, you, Manuel. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I had another question too. So sure. you talked about being having a staffing agency. And so I'm a, a technical person by background. And mm -hmm. typically, you know, several years ago, maybe mm -hmm. the technical people didn't necessarily work with staffing agencies or recruiters or mm -hmm. headhunters or, you know, executive search firms or however right. you want to, to call them. And mm -hmm. so what is your advice? Is Why should people that's looking for work at this point, why should they work with recruiters? Is there an advantage for working with a recruiter or a staffing agency? Because I think there are some myths out there uh, and, and some of them that may not be quite correct. But mm -hmm. what would you say to somebody that's like, I don't know why I should work with a, a recruiter or a staffing agency or executive search firm? So I think um, <laughs> this is, again, an excellent question. <laughs> See, um, the biggest myth is that Recruiters work for candidates, they don't. Recruiters work for the company, okay? The companies pay the recruiter a portion of the salary if it's a permanent job and if it's a temp job, then they work out whatever they need to, right, uh, per hour. So the thing is that the biggest myth a lot of people think is that, oh my God, I just uh, talked to this recruiter. He's going to work for me. He's not working for you. He's working for the company. So the thing is that whether you get placed or it's Sam or Jimmy or Kayla or whoever it is, it doesn't matter. Recruiter needs to fill that particular role and he will find, he or she will find several candidates who sort of meet the requirements of that requirement, of that job posting. He will send those candidates off to the employer and then 
the recruiter will arrange or coordinate interviews. They usually do the first interview and then they pass on the resumes. Uh, again, the process is a little different maybe. Uh, you know, it may vary, but essentially this is the process. So the best way to work with recruiters is to ensure that you get the right set of feedback from the recruiter because the recruiter may have a particular style of resume that they want to present to their clients. You know, because it makes it more streamlined, they wanna do all their resumes the same way they wanna pass it off, right? So get the proper kind of feedback if your resume is up to par, number one. Number two is that try to find out from the recruiter every little thing you can about the job. Chances are the recruiter doesn't really have too much idea about many of these things because the employers don't necessarily share all that information with the recruiter, you know, for agency recruiter, right? Not an internal one, right? So the thing is that try to find out as much information as you can that will help you during the interview with the employer. And the other thing I would say is that, uh, don't expect callbacks if the employer says, no, we're not proceeding with this person. If you're going to be waiting for the recruiter to give you a callback to say, hey, you didn't uh, make it this time, but you know we're going to try for you, 99% of the time, you're going to be disappointed. Recruiters, all they want to do is fill the role. They will go to the next one. They honestly, they don't have time to respond to everybody. They will only speak to you if they think that they can actually market you to their clients. And I know it seems a little cold or uh, whatever it may be, but that's the business. And that's that's basically what it is. So uh, as long as you understand that what the recruiter's objective is, it is going to be much easier for you to work with them. That's good. That's great information and, and great thoughts about it as well. So our time today is, is coming to a close and I could talk to you for much longer than what we have time for because you gave so much great information from your resume to the need or, you know, maybe not need for a cover letter, depending on the situation the need for LinkedIn presence and creating your personal brand, your interviewing skills and having those top three uh, questions in your mind and your strategy for being able to set any interview on fire in a good way. And so <laughs> you gave so much great value. So I definitely appreciate that. And how can our viewers get and stay connected with you if they're like, wow, Tarek gave so much value and great information. I want to follow him as he creates content on LinkedIn and other platforms. Excellent. Yes, absolutely. So um, on LinkedIn, it's my name, which is on the screen right here, Tarek Hussain. You can search for me. Um, Elsewhere, um, my website is hrcxtalentservices.com. Again, hrcxtalentservices.com. So those are the best ways to uh, be in touch with me. Awesome. 
So make sure you definitely go out to LinkedIn, make sure you connect with Tarek and let him know that you saw him here on Leadership Tidbits and you got so much value from his talk and his mentoring tonight. And then check out his website so that you can get the, the leg up so that you can get that way to stand out for your next opportunity. So Tarek, this was awesome. I, I really appreciate you sharing with my audience and being here uh, all the way from Toronto, Canada. <laughs> thank you so much, Coach T. Uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much again for this opportunity and hope uh, I've been able to add some value. You absolutely did. And even still for me, some of this stuff I, I know, but it's always good to get a fresh perspective from somebody else and, and get that, that thought. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah, right. Or I'm doing that, or that's, I should think about that. So definitely gave value to me and I appreciate it. And I know the audience will get tremendous value as well. Okay. So thank you so much viewers for tuning in to this week's episode. Hopefully you were able to get some nuggets, which I know you were so that you can get your resume on point, get your LinkedIn profile on point. And when you get to those interviews, you'll be on point there as well. Come back next week where we'll have another amazing mentor who will give you more strategies that you can use in both your personal and professional life. Don't be stingy. Share this broadcast out because I'm sure there's somebody in your network who could benefit from hearing these tips that were shared tonight. And until next time, my friends, I hope you have an amazing week and I'll see you same time, same channel, same place next week. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, where Taiwana speaks with leaders who share nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your personal and professional life. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Coach T. Wilson. Connect on LinkedIn or visit www.coachtwilson.com. And remember, in life, learn as much as you can, appreciate often, and lead fearlessly.